0: Hello. Hi there. Hey Jason?
1: Yes, Justin.
0: What's up? How's it going? How's it going?
1: Oh, things have been pretty good, you know. As good as things can go in a pandemic, you know?
0: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, thank happy Thanksgiving. Oh, of course. Of
1: course. How's how's dinner? How's dinner on your side of the of the mic, dinner. Yeah, Thanksgiving dinner.
0: Oh, oh yeah, yeah, it was good. We just had cream. Oh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> nice. But anyway, um, yeah, I enjoyed my birthday on Friday.
1: Mhm. Happy belated birthday too, by the way.
0: Thank you. And then, that was the day we signed Holby, so that was a that was a good, that was a really good signing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, today that's, that's what we're gonna talk better. about that's what we're gonna talk about today signing mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh vancouver canucks so let's get started cool. how how long can you do it you you said uh you didn't want to do it for too long i didn't wow.
1: want to yeah. uh probably could be like about an hour and a bit Okay, got got okay. work tomorrow, so that's just why that.
0: Like, you okay.
1: know. I do think we, we we have a lot to talk about for sure. We do. So. We do. we'll, we'll, we'll figure uh, out some way to. My
0: goal is forty. My goal is forty minutes, but we'll see how much we can do.
1: Sure. Sure.
0: Okay. Uh yeah, let's get right into it. Um. Okay. So yeah, it's been a busy weekend, busy free agency for a lot of teams. Um. So yeah, Jason, your thoughts on what we've done so far.
1: Sure. Uh, Like Vancouver in general, just like the NHL in kind of general.
0: I want to focus on Vancouver, but.
1: yeah, Completely up to you. Uh, You know, I think, I think overall what I've seen with the Canucks, it's in general, a little less activity than I expected. And on one sense, you know, the fan in me, kind of gets disappointed because you always want your team to be the most active, the most developmental, the most, you know, the most like generating buzz, the the team that is generating like, you know, the highest upside in, in uh, the off season. But then there's also kind of the rational side of me that sees that, you know, obviously we're in a pandemic year. There might even be times where some teams will actually want to stay quiet. Because they're seeing that there's a cap crunch. They're seeing the expansion draft is coming up. And there will be times where people will rush out to get pieces. But then maybe seven to nine months from now, when the season's actually starting, and it's around trade the trade deadline, and people think about, oh, what if, I, what if we had extra pieces that we could lose to Seattle for nothing? We could just... You know, try to get what we can for the pieces that we have at the moment. And I think there are some teams that are acting pretty quiet. For example, like with Vancouver, before the Nate Schmidt trade, of course, that I thought, you know, I can understand why certain teams are quiet, A, because of revenue, B, because there could be opportunities in the future to get pieces for the cheap. But it's still very, it's still very like, weird for me to see Canucks be really quiet after the buzz that they generated in the, um, in the semifinals. So overall I am a little disappointed to see how they've been acting, but for me, I don't want to, you know, obviously make too much predictions just solely based off of less than one week of free agency. So we'll see definitely how they uh, continue to build up the team. They still need uh we still need some more uh, defense on the right side. I'm not completely ready to hand the reins to you know the young defensemen, but I think that when it comes to forwards, we definitely have a few people that I believe we can have step in, and we'll we'll definitely see within training camp who comes ready and who is who's going to uh, basic basically not going to be uh, cracking the roster. So we'll definitely see in the coming months how Jim Benning and uh, the team construct the roster.
0: Mm. Yeah, my thoughts is uh, before the Nate Schmidt trade, I was kind of devastated that we were not doing anything and not signing the key guys that we should have. But again, like you said, um, with a flat salary salary cap here, you know, with COVID. And the the contracts that we have, you know, on the veteran guys like Southern Beagle, it, it ties up ties our ties us up a lot. So that I do understand banning to a certain point, but I can't say I'm over or hundred percent trust the management right now. So okay. That's just my take. Yep. Okay, that's, so we're going to go, mm-hmm. so go through it one one by one. So what is your thoughts on not signing Marstrom?
1: Uh, uh, mostly on the one hand, I'm somewhat okay about it. I've, I've seen with the Flames and the Oilers and a few other teams as well, they were willing to pay more. I wouldn't have paid as much. Obviously, with the goaltender who is an MVP – you think you want to keep them around, and I'm pretty sure Canucks, if they could, they would have kept them around. I saw it kind of like the Bobrovsky situation. You know, if they're asking for too much money in term, know that goaltending can be somewhat of a volatile position, and you know, let let go of the person if you have to. Like we obviously saw with Bobrovsky, who's one of the best goalies. Then he signed that massive contract, was 10 million for I think seven years, and he reverted back to a middle. Below the pack uh goaltender. Not saying that I'm gonna see that at Markstrom. I think he is a top 10 goalie in this league for sure. Um but I think that, you know, he's no longer working with Ian Clark. It will be a different environment. Uh I still think he'll be a really good goalie. Just don't think he will be as successful as he was before in Vancouver. And this is not just because I'm like a Vancouver fan, but I think that, you know being in a different environment, working with a different coach, it completely does, you know, affect how you can perform, too.
0: Mm. Okay, okay. And what do you think about him going to Calgary? Uh,
1: I mean, divisional rival stuff, but, you know, whoever pays the most, who has the best term, You 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 got to look at your options. I say Calgary really needed goaltender. They were able to switch Cam Talbot for Marchram. Definitely a good win for uh, Calgary, in my book.
0: Mm-hmm. I was really shocked because you know they are a division rival. We hate them; they hate us. I was really shocked. <laughs> when, when I
1: mean, I, I don't hate them, but, <laughs> but. Uh,
0: I think most Canucks fans, like myself included, so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was it was weird. But like you said, it was a need that they needed to fill in goal mm-hmm. tending. so. Mm-hmm. Uh, good luck, Markstrom. I I don't wish ill ill feelings because Markstrom was, was like you know so amazing for us, right? So mm-hmm. I yeah. I wish him the best, but when he plays us, I you know we gotta win. Sorry, Marky.
1: Yeah, I I think I think Markstrom. It is a long contract. He'll be paid until around thirty six, thirty seven, and that's when you never know with with goaltenders but I think he'll definitely be the best goalie that Calgary's ever had since Mika Kepersoff uh, back in, you know, kind of the early, the early 2010s. And since then, obviously like both you and I have noted, they've had bunches of goaltenders in, uh, in Calgary. Like uh, I don't know if you remember Kari Ramo by any chance, but that was, that was a goalie at one point that uh, some flame fans definitely had hope on. I don't know. Do you, have you, have, do you remember Kari Ramo?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember Romo. Well. He he mm-hmm. was he was decent. Romo, Romo, yeah.
1: Remember. He was, he was decent at one point too. That was a ironic. Yeah, as well as um, who was it? Jonas Hiller, Jonas Hiller as well.
0: Irving, Irving as well at one point.
1: Mm mm-hmm. And uh, Dave Riddich, too.
0: Dave was good, honestly, for so long, and then mm-hmm.
1: kind of. No, he, he was he was an all star. He was an all star. He was a good goalie too.
0: playoffs, but yeah, he he was pretty good. Not kind of like.
1: Mm. hmm mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember remember back in the days where Canucks was the goalie graveyard? And now that kinda of is transferred over to where the flames were. And when I heard about I'm
0: Yeah. good okay with that.
1: No. Yeah, so ba- so basically what what's what's going on with flames is they finally wanted some stability. I've heard at one point that they were really interested in Bobrovsky, and now they were able to get Markstrom in this particular free agency. So this is definitely going to be a, a good win for Flames fans for stability in that.
0: And also, we don't need to protect Holpe anymore. Oh, we'll we'll get back to that more. But I think that really clears a lot of, uh, with the expansion draft coming. So mm-hmm. I think Vancouver did a the good job
1: yeah. yeah, with Markstrom... Like with Tanev, I, I think they I think regardless they probably would have protected Tanev because they didn't have many defensemen they really needed to protect. But uh you know, Canucks definitely don't really have to worry as much about expansion draft. I think they're I yeah. think right now they're definitely in a brighter spot than uh, some other pe some other teams.
0: All right, oh yeah, so your um... You're, I guess okay. We're gonna do a grade for each. So your grade for the Vancouver Canucks letting Markstrom go. Uh
1: grade for Markstrom letting go. Uh I guess in general of how they've handled the goalie situation, I'll say it's hmm. I, I say I say it's a kind of a B minus C plus. I, I don't mind Holtby B as a replacement. There definitely were a few other options that definitely were on the table. Uh, for sure, like um, like for example, one particular option was uh, someone who literally just got signed today. Thomas Grice, was definitely strong for uh, the Islanders as part of the of the tandem. Okay. Think could have worked well with um, with a Demko, but uh, you know, I I definitely don't hate Holtby as a goaltender. I think he will be a, he he's a he's a low risk player. Was signed on a low risk contract. I I think he. I think Canucks are hoping that Ian Clark can turn Holtby into a good goalie and then turn him into a 1B option in the future. Now, I obviously with Kadobin, like he signed with Stars, uh, definitely was a good possible option as well. Uh, Lehner was at one point also kind of on the market as well uh, before he signed with uh, Vegas. Uh, who, who else was there? Do you remember anyone else who was like a goalie option?
0: I was just thinking, oh, there's one more, uh, what was I saying? I don't remember, but, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. but, like, my point is, is that, like, I think they spent a little too much time focusing on Marchdom. I feel like if they had, like, a few more staff members, like, you know, probably tried to talk with, you know, Stetcher, for example, I think we could have kept Stetcher. I think he would have been a pretty good, uh, defenseman in the bottom pair, uh, for for the for the good years of Pedersen and Hughes. But you know, in, in general, I think like I, I would say kinda of C plus just because they spent a little too much time and they should have known that there were like, you know, a lot of red flags in the negotiation a little early on.
0: Okay. Um Yeah, okay, so hopefully low risk contract, hoping for Back. I think we need to also think about Holpi. He, at one point, he used to be one of the best goalies in the league. We got to keep that in mind, right? When he sure. was with uh, yeah. Washington, he was he was sensational, and then he had an off year last year last season. So I think, yeah, definitely Ian Clark. Ian Clark will help. But I think Holpi is a really a super solid option, and he can definitely push Demko for the starting spot. Depending
1: on how how well Hemko does next season, uh, I mean, sure, uh, you know, it there's definitely the risk that Holpe doesn't have the bounce back season, and that's where you know the contract will be able to be fruitful in that aspect, in that they won't have to keep someone for a long term. Uh, you know, I I'm, I'm definitely going to be I'm going to be lightly pessimistic for something like a Holpe contract just because. You no, know, he definitely didn't have a good season uh, relative to his career. So obviously you're going to a new environment. I wanna see how Holtby, you know, is able to be productive. You know, within the last few campaigns, he's definitely been on the like the bottom middle tier of goaltenders, especially because of at one point working with a with a with a certain coach um goaltender coach who he wasn't able to generate as much of a beneficial relationship, and that kind of turned him into a, kind of a below-average goaltender from there. So I'm, I'm going, I'm going to see how uh, how Ian Clark and uh, Thatcher Demko affect Holtby's play. It will be, it'll be interesting. And it, at the end of the day, it will be a two-year deal if it's something that doesn't work out. I mean, it's only a two-year deal, so I'm not losing too much sleep over someone like Holtby.
0: Exactly. Like I think the contract was pretty much a steal, as a lot of Canucks fans say. You know, it's only two years, and we're only paying about four point four point three per year. But mm-hmm. so, like you said, it's a low risk contract. And honestly, even if Holpe doesn't play up to his normal standard, he can be good enough for backup, and that's fine, because Demko can just take the reins, and we've seen him play well, too. So I think they will both push each other, and I don't think... I'm not too worried about our goalie situation. I think it could be even better than Calgary's tandem. Yeah, For yeah. sure. But uh,
1: but then I but then I ask you that question in that case. Like, why do you believe Holtby was like an amazing an an amazing signing? Because I don't see him as an amazing signing. I see him okay, as I'm a good
0: signing. I would say. Signing. I'm not gonna say it's an amazing signing, but it's a really solid signing, and we yes. needed it.
1: Yeah, because was, because you I said was it was a steal. Steal meaning was, like you know you would think it was absolutely amazing. Okay,
0: okay, it's a bit of a steal then.
1: It's a bit of a steal. <laughs> wait, wait, well, right. uh, wait, wait to walk back your talks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, it's not like a plus plus plus. I okay, what would you rate it, Opie?
1: Opie, uh, at best B minus. At like okay, if it pays off, like you know, I think he'll be he'll be one A. I don't think he's gonna be world breaking. You know, if if he turns out to be like you know Markstrom plus, then that's when it would be become like a steal, obviously. But you know, at at worst, I can see Holtby as someone kind of like you see you see the tandem with with uh, with Grice and uh, I don't know, who's who's the other goalie in the Islanders? I forgot who the other goalie in the Islanders. Are.
0: Huh? Verlana was
1: it? Verlana, yeah, Verlana. So, like, I could see it like, you know, a Varlamov kind of Grice situation where Varlamov is like, is like Holtby, which is kind of ironic because Varlamov used to play for Washington. Uh, And, you know, obviously with Thatcher Demko is going to be the younger guy, is going to continue to build up more game time. I can see Holtby playing around 45 plus games with Thatcher Demko taking a little bit more of the load, especially with a pandemic shortened year. It, it it can it can work out. I don't think he's going to be as game breaking though.
0: I think it's just no risk because if if Opie's not so good, he can just become a backup. And if he's good, surprise Demko, then surprise us Canucks fans, and he can take the starting range for a little bit. You know, I think they'll definitely split time. But I I just say yeah, that's a win win. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm excited. I don't think there's too much risk to it. You know, so yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I, I don't see Hulk be filling up the entire role of Markstrom. After Demko is definitely going to have to step up a little more. I think if Demko didn't have that amazing performance that he would have with Vegas, and we lost Markstrom, I'd be way more pessimistic, honestly.
0: I I think I would be as well. I would be as well.
1: Because sure. Because we haven't. Because if we didn't, if we never had that, your Demko be absolutely amazing in that Vegas series then I think all of us would be very skeptical on how Demko could play 30-plus games.
0: Yeah.
1: And, you yep. know, the, weird, the yep. weird thing is people still can be pessimistic, too. Right.
0: Oh, yeah. They can still say, oh, yeah, it was just only three games, although he was a mate is absolutely sensational. It's just three games. Mm-hmm. And a whole season it might falter, right? Like, there's people probably thinking that, too. Well, I no, I'm not too worried. Too worried. And um, I think you have to think of it this way, you know. Would you rather take Hopi for two years at four point three annual? Or do you want to take Markstrom six for six?
1: I'd like I'd like, I like I to think that. I'd like to think somehow like we would pay a little less, like maybe it would be five point five. But I wouldn't want six years with Markstrom.
0: That's, yeah, exactly. That's, I think that's, I think that's the thing. honestly, yeah, inter what Calgary's done, we're gonna talk about the other signings like like very soon, but I think they might be in trouble. Like I they tied up a lot of money with our former players they're trying to become us right so it's interesting um yeah yeah what
1: like the calgary but, and that's their problem is that what, I, is that what people have been
0: saying yeah, i can care less about calgary i just care about Marky and tana but mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. anyway my rate is an a- minus for hopey you say A, and, a-. Then okay. stetcher, and then as for stetcher the, this is gonna be c- for me um mm-hmm.
1: Really? I'd say D- minus for how they handled Stetcher.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh. heart, and soul, heart and soul. Heart and soul player. Fantastic in the playoffs. He really stepped step it up with his hair game and, and, and okay. hockey. Yeah. But, and you know, he just, he loves Vancouver. You can tell he wanted to stay. Um, but we were just being, we, I don't know what we, I don't know what Benny was thinking cuz Detroit took him for 1.77 that's a bargain for Troy mm-hmm. and i cannot believe um i'm happy we got schmidt if we get like a vatnin or in a trade in a eric uh Chernak, then mm-hmm. i guess it makes up for him. but right now it hurts it hurts to lose troy cuz he could have fit in nicely with edler or or i guess schmidt or something or no schmidt would play right side so yeah, with Edler again. Schmidt will be said,
1: um Schmidt will be right side because he's played right side in Vegas pretty much this entire time. There, I so. think that's what we got,
0: right? I don't think we would have just got another left side. Because we're pretty full there right now. And we're yeah. pretty solid on the left side. Right? So we need right hand demon. Yeah. Um yeah. yeah, losing Troy sucks, but I hope he does well in Detroit. Um I hope they actually do something. Mm-hmm. I hope I hope Troy does well. You know, like he's such a such a hard working guy, almost as much as Heather Mott, or if not just as much. So, and he's a rank, uh, Vancouver boy, right? He's a Richmond boy, yeah, Richmond boy. So,
1: yeah, Richmond, boy. Where you're from? a lot of people uh, like him, yeah.
0: Oh. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, yeah. I, I think, I think Stetcher is definitely plateaued in his own potential, but I think there's nothing wrong with someone who can play the third pairing and can do it very reliably well. Uh, I think over time, like especially as he like, you know, goes away from his prime, I think you know people won't people won't absolutely miss Stetcher, but there will be games where maybe you have a defenseman injured and you think, Oh, it would be nice if Troy Stetcher was there. You know. That's yeah. basically how I feel about something like Troy Stetcher. Completely removing the element of like, you know, he really wants to play with Connects, maybe also the heart and soul, like you like, you know, there's definitely been an outpouring uh, for for Canuck fans and even Canuck players, like on Instagram for Troy Stetcher's post on Instagram. Like, you know, you saw a lot of uh, Canuck players uh, reply to him saying that, you know, we'll really miss you. And I think it's honestly genuine because you've you've seen... It's so genuine. It's, it's, yeah. it's, there's definitely a lot of reporters that's definitely documented uh, how good, you know, the character was in the room with Troy Stetcher and Chris Tanev and Markstrom, like, you know... Those are three players that have hung around for a while, and it's it's going to be tough to rep, you know replace, replace. those types of people, yeah. and you know it, it it does suck losing players, but
0: but again, it is a business too. It, yeah,
1: it, yeah. it it is a business. I just think how they handled the statue thing was absolutely horrible. It was it was
0: should absolutely.
1: at least have like one person awful. like you know. Like, hey, I, I, I wouldn't mind being hired by the Canucks. $20 an hour? I could have handled this no, choice yeah, better like, than
0: anyone. Like, <laughs> I, I don't want to be the main general manager because that just takes away too much yeah,
1: No, No, I'll no, just, not like, no. Not, not like a GM, but like...
0: Like a, a, a assistant or like an assistant assistant, you know? So I, I have something to say and be like, Jim, we got to sign Stetcher. You know, like he, he's a bargain. Like he, we don't even have to sign for like three mil. He'll take a pay cut. Imagine if he took one point seven seven with Detroit, how much he would take with us? I, I bet he might take one point five. I think he's that kind of player.
1: Yeah. But, yeah. Well I'm not saying like that... Stetcher is gonna be like a cheapskate just because of Vancouver, but like I I would think, you know, it you know a very underrated aspect about like hockey players is that like, you know, if they can create roots somewhere and have stability, they'll probably go for it unless the team's absolutely horrible. You know. Yeah. You know, I so I think I think Stetcher definitely if they could have gotten the one point seven contract here, it would take that in a heartbeat. But obviously oh, yeah. Canucks at the time were thinking about getting Tyson Barry. And then because the Barry thing fell through, they tried to get Stetcher, that fell through, and then they tried to find other right side defensemen, and that's where we somehow got to Nate Schmidt today.
0: So. I also think I also think maybe deep down Benning's thinking you know, he saw Stetcher still getting, you know, out muscled by the puck, even though he works hard. So he's like, maybe a bigger, bigger, more reliable defenseman. Honestly, Nate Schmidt was a great pickup. And then if we get some, maybe he won't just change it up, you know? Like, I think that could be in his mind too, yeah. after looking at what happened in the playoffs. So,
1: I mean, there's a reason why he wasn't qualified. I think. I guess so. I think the reason why is because Travis Green or some coaching staff members, you know, saw Troy Stetcher, you like, you might like Troy Stetcher, but at the same time, you know, like there's, there's not, there's not an over amount that Troy Stetcher can give to the Canucks that we haven't seen already. You know, I think Canucks really want to address some bigger needs. Like obviously they had the Markstrom Tanev and Toffoli contracts and also the OEL talks as well. And that meant that they just didn't have anyone to really like uh, handle the case of Troy Stetcher. I think Stetcher is definitely, in terms of defensive value, definitely gives good good value for sure on the third pair. So I think I wish he could have stayed. I think if he stayed for next for like two years, it would have been pretty good. But he he's he's no longer here. I think it's not what Stetcher wants, but it's what Stetcher wanted to like he wanted he wanted something, and I think he was afraid of losing offers, so that's why he went with Detroit in the end
0: i get yeah i I could see that like i, I think I would like you know anyone would rather play with the team than not playing with the team right so yeah, um, like, I'm I've, happy for-
1: yeah, yeah, like you don't you don't think about like leaving your favorite town in Vancouver to go to Detroit. <laughs> You know, I, I, no. I, I personally don't, I don't think that's really what a lot of, very, very, very few people would think that. Maybe Troy Stetwood could think, like, Detroit gives them a little more time, but past that, like, it it's basically a sinking ship at the moment, you know.
0: It's, it's, oh, I can't, I can't imagine how he's feeling, you know, like, he's going through a lot, you know, he lost his dad too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same with Markstrom, it's, oh man, anyway, um. Yeah. Yeah, so don't, yeah, I say don't, don't lose
1: your data, or otherwise you won't be signed by the Canucks, not <laughs>
0: <Yeah, exactly. laughs> Basically, um, oh man, Besser, oh, that was a close call. Anyway, uh, mm-hmm. oh yeah, Tyson Berry, uh, what do you think, we didn't sign him, uh, did you want him, or did you not? Yeah. What, what well, uh, what do you think?
1: I think he could be good on the power play, but Edmonton, there's a reason why he went with Edmonton over Vancouver. There were rumors that Vancouver were going to offer a little more money, but yeah, he went to Edmonton in I'm the confused. end.
0: Why we didn't pay that much, actually?
1: Probably would have been around four. I, I from from what I've been seeing, probably would be four, five, five.
0: five mil. Yeah,
1: I, I wouldn't think five mil. I don't think Canucks would have given him five mil, but
0: I think no, no. There were rumors that apparently we were going to offer him five, but then he took uh, Edmonton. Talk. I'm glad he did. Mm-hmm. Regardless, um, like you said, I think he's, he's pretty good offensively. And he's definitely not the Colorado Tyson Berry, but um, his defensive capabilities are kind of poor. And I think his ana- analytics show that too. So I- I'm glad we didn't pick him up, I guess. I do like Tyson Berry as a player, but I don't know. Fans don't seem to really like him either. So.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of offense, Barry's amazing. In terms of you know some advanced statistics like Corsi, you know he's definitely run into a little bit of bad luck in Toronto. But I think Barry will probably kind of be third pair on five on five, and probably will end up being you know power play one in in the in the uh, in the uh, special teams. So
0: not not on Vancouver.
1: For for well for Vancouver it would it would be Hughes uh it probably would have been Hughes and then probably Barry and Myers on no I say line.
0: I, don't, not, I don't. what I would, what
1: that's what I would oh, think
0: no Vancouver rolls with uh, one quarterback
1: well I, uh, well was, um, for power play two they run with two with two defensemen. yeah, yeah
0: exactly so it, they would probably put Barry on the second unit unless they want to change it up and put two defensemen on the top unit which I wouldn't mind actually.
1: But. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, anyway, actually, I mean that that's that's basically uh, needless conjecture because he's not gonna even come by unless he somehow neither. signs here after Edmonton, which uh-huh. I doubt. But,
0: uh. but, but yeah, actually, you know what? I think I would have been fine with it. I know a lot of people say no, but his offensive talent and like I think he, Tyson Berry would fit fit well with our attacking transition kind of mm-hmm. uh, play. Yeah.
1: But you know, that's a lost cause. Oh. Um I meant I mentioned right. will like I'm mean, I like Barry because um they de- definitely didn't want to rush uh, Evan Bouchard, which is one of their defense prospects. So oh, yeah. You know, that's why they uh that's why they wanted to get a few offensive uh defensemen in the meantime and let Bouchard like, you know, work in the AHL in the meantime. So that's why mm-hmm. they signed uh Tyson Barry, or they were trying to get like a defenseman for the cheap.
0: All right, next one. Chris Tan of Mr Mr. Tenman Mr. Uh Clutch. Your thoughts? Um like him to the flames as well.
1: Uh, you know, he got paid. I I think he definitely deserves to be paid. It's definitely his first big contract and probably only big contract to be paid. So he's definitely gonna bring that worry mentality over to the flames for sure. Uh I know I know that uh you know Mark Giordano definitely uh sympathized with Chris Tanev's story both because you know they were undrafted and they and they still have created pretty good careers. Uh, well
0: yeah Mark Giordano was undrafted too.
1: Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah. Tanev, That's a crazy story.
1: Tanev will bring a lot of block shots. Will definitely work very hard and I think I think for sure like Flames will definitely like the type of player that they'll get, uh, I wouldn't have signed for four years myself. Like there were rumors that Canucks were planning to sign for two, uh, but at the at the end of the day, you know, when it comes to free agency, it's just whoever will pay the most or give the good term or make the best case will probably get the player, and that's what happened with Chris Tanev.
0: What do you think? What you think of uh, when Tanev said, "I'll sleep on the offer that I've been given," and then? That same day he signed with Calgary.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I re I really don't read too much into comments in general. I think it's a very dirty uh part of, you know, uh social media and sports. It's just, you know, whoever will give the good offer and will work will work most with that player going forward, you know, definitely will deserve that player. So you know.
0: Okay. So your yeah. your your uh, your grade? Or ten of leaving
1: uh like mm-hmm. how they handled it, uh yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, and like and like um basically, it's like um uh was it okay for Vancouver like, to part ways? I guess that kind of thing, you know,
1: I mean, four years are definitely risking the injury prone aspect is definitely yeah, sure. definitely a better option than hammonick and uh who else semi who are both injury prone themselves too, so that oh, yeah. was definitely a good option, and you know, he'll definitely love working with Markstrom and uh, ironically, Louis to Domingue to too. Um, but but you know, I, I say I say it's around I think it's around like a C plus because they had a fair contract which was around for like four or so mil, whether it's that actual amount or not, you know, it was two years or so. I think that I think I would have liked that deal. Uh four years I would have liked it a little less. I think a lot of Canuck fans would have liked Tanev a little less uh, around around the same deal that the Flames had. But uh, you know, Canucks had their line in the sand and uh Taniv didn't want to have that line in the sand, so he wanted to get paid.
0: So this is this is uh the Vancouver side. It's a C plus for them, right? Yep. Okay, okay. All right. Um for me my quick comments. Uh, at first, I was really sad because it was Calgary again. I was like, "Are you kidding me? This is my worst nightmare." But then I looked at term and contract and the money, and I was like, "Oh, that's a little steep for Calgary, and they might really that might burn them mm-hmm. with the contracts they're handing out to Marshburn and Tana and they took to Ming too. We won't talk about that too much, but that was funny hmm
1: Um yeah. it just really so wanted, they just really it, wanted the muffins, much, you know.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, too, oh for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he makes some good muffins though, not gonna lie.
1: Well, I, I don't know. I've never had them, but I assume they're good. <laughs> uh but yeah, like Tanner will be a good top four uh, top four option for them. Uh Markstrom's definitely gonna be their number one goalie behind their um gonna be stopping uh back stopping and will be Riddich uh from what I know. So they they're definitely more of a contender after free agency than they were before.
0: That is true, but it can really backfire in a hurry. I think it's 50/50 with Calgary. We'll see how it plays out. It'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. Cuz they they have a lot of money cap uh, tied up now and um I think they they might be in trouble with signing a couple of their players too. Yeah, uh, because of they
1: they still trouble. have like a good amount of cap space left. It's around like like a few like a few mil. They still have a few mil. They don't have anyone important to sign, from what I know. So oh, yeah. so I I think I think Calgary's fine. Uh, next year they also
0: lost Brody. they also lost Brody, right?
1: Well, they lost Brody, and that's why they need to sign Taniv. You know, so
0: that's but Brody's upside. So mm-hmm. I don't know who they replaced him with, but maybe. I don't know, maybe Carlington or something. I don't know what.
1: Well, they replaced Brody oh. with Tanev. That's why they signed Chris Brody, Tanev.
0: Brody, is is Brody a right right side defenseman?
1: Yeah, Brody's right side.
0: Oh, okay, 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 it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, it'll be interesting facing Calgary. It'll be yeah. a mix of emotions there. Yeah. yeah. Um, it'll be. My it'll be grade, interesting.
1: What do you think? What do you think?
0: Honestly, my grade's a solid B. Hmm. You know, I think, I, I, I don't think Tennant was, it's hard to say, but I don't think Tennant was a need, he wasn't a must, because of, like, you know, he was getting older, and contract-wise, how much he wanted, and if we paid him four mil, or I don't know how much it was, but for four years, I don't know, it that been, might have tied us
1: up. Yeah, it would have been four years and a uh, modified no-trade clause, that's what uh, exactly. Tennant signed. Yeah.
0: And also Myers changed to a uh, modified no-trade clause, which is better, too. Mm-hmm. But okay, um, so that's ten. Oh, this one's heartbreaking. But okay, to Foley, to Montreal. To is
1: your heartbreaking one. That's interesting, actually.
0: It is. It is. Uh. So yeah, your thoughts on Foley?
1: Uh I don't know. It, it, it's it's weird because on one hand I would have loved fully, but in the same time, like I think forwards in general, especially on the wing, are definitely a little bit more expendable. Uh, when when it comes to the construction of a team, so obviously you any 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 team would like to have you know a more solidified right wing with Tyler Toffoli. You have to realize at the time we had Brock Besser injured, and that's why Canucks really wanted. Uh, a right wing scorer, and you know that's why i 'll even go along the lines of like i i don't actually really care about you know the fact that oh, we traded a second round pick in Tyler Madden for Toffoli like for seventeen games of Toffoli that 's not really the concern I really had like i think I think I would have still done the deal because at the time you really want to go for the playoffs and Toffoli was an openable option. I would have still done the trade uh you know, and he's 28 still, from what I remember. He he definitely got a scholarship contract for sure. I wish, you know, we definitely got that type of deal. We definitely don't have the cap space, so that's why Canucks really couldn't give him a good offer. So honestly, at that point, you you just have to throw your hands up in the air and say, you know, we we really can't we really can't sign you and give you a good offer. So
0: could we not? Could we not sign him? We still had eight mil, right?
1: Well. This is before having to get a top-four defenseman. Obviously, we got exactly. top-four in Nate Schmidt. Like, um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's tough because the bigger priority is defense, not, not, is the, not the wings. So that's why... we
0: still have a big on arbitration.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So And you also have Rutan, and you still have Godet. I think Godet, you're going to try to get him into a very team-friendly deal. Britain and we'll see with arbitration or if they'll figure out something i i think i think
0: you you know, you can... would be more three mil more but at the same time I kind of want us to keep jake mm-hmm. hot take a little bit uh,
1: i don't think it's really a hot take but i think i think it's uh, just, i of think of... it's com i think it's somewhat <laughs> common sense you know
0: i don't know because nations is pretty pretty fired up wanting Jake gone but
1: yeah, I mean, I would, I would have been, I'd be, I'd be more on the camp of just wanting Louis Erickson to go or Brandon. Sander-Gale. Oh, me too. But, I,
0: I'm pretty right. sure. I'm pretty sure Jim Benning's tried.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure he he's might, tried for sure.
0: But he might be able to unload a salary contract mm-hmm. if we're looking for another defenseman or maybe a winger. Yeah, so we'll see.
1: But I think at this point, Jim Benning's figured it out with Roberto Luongo and like a few other like contracts that having dead cap space for the sake of bad cap space, like or just wanting to get rid of players definitely will hurt you in the long run. You know, I actually completely forgot about Ryan Spooner, Ryan Spooner as well. Um, so probably what betting saw was that, you know, if I buy out another bad player, we're just kicking the can down the road again. Sometimes you just got to take your medicine when it comes to some bad contracts. That's probably why they yeah, haven't that's... bought out Sutter, and I don't really expect them to buy out Sutter either.
0: Oh, interesting. So your final grade for Topoli, uh,
1: I don't know. I I don't think they really talked with Topoli that much, from what I know. So.
0: I, yeah, we talked late with, which was uh, iffy as well in my part. But mm. it's, yeah. What so what's your grade?
1: Uh i I don't know i'd say i'd say c plus but i i don't i don't really know what they did like i like I think the bigger priorities were for sure on like tadv and Markstrom at one point and probably different options that they had available to fully probably escape their mind after like you know a few weeks before the draft so probably probably just wasn't a match made in heaven it was tough they probably weren't going to keep him.
0: I think the trade would have been 100% a win for us if we kept him, of course. That's why losing him for me was tough because, you know, we had to trade uh, draft pick and Tyler Madden, which was not like the worst trade ever, but the thing is we lost him for nothing now. Um, Yeah, Yeah. to keep
1: Brock Bester was injured. He was injured for an extended period of time. You needed someone to make sure the playoff hope was alive.
0: That's true. No, so. that that, is, that I, actually, I'm you and you and I are one of the few Canucks fans who think about that. Like we needed to fill this role, you know, mm-hmm. and Tefoli gave that spark, and he went ten ten points in ten games or something. It was just pretty pretty sick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. The defense is more of a priority. It's just I it sucks to have lost him to fully. But I watch Montreal, that. I think that's pretty cool. You know, they've got some good players there. Yeah. Um, And also, we have Jake for 10. And that's why I'm I'm excited for Jake for 10. More, more, you know, as he's reaching twenty four, twenty five now, in mm-hmm. his 6th and 7th year. Because, like, I think people forget that he had a 36-18 goal. And he didn't play a full season.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, I think okay. I'm I'm still skeptical of Vertanen because yeah. you, because he had a um, he had a what was it his his uh, uh shooting percentage is definitely uh more abnormal this season than the others meaning that it's not as rep uh rep, replicable of a of a season may not necessarily uh indicate what kind of season Vertanen will have in the future which is why like I'm happy that he will probably get a one-year contract out of this whole whole um, deal that's going on right now with arbitration, uh, because it'll be another show me contract where we can see what Bertanin can do. I think he'll definitely be a good top nine option. Could definitely slot to top six now that Toffoli's gone and try to prove a few more things, but. You know, for me, I'm probably go- I'm probably gonna see the same or worse player in Vertan that I saw last year. Um, last year. So, mm-hmm. and also with playoffs, he was de- he's definitely was far from dominant. So
0: he was, he was. Uh, he had a couple of good games, but yeah, overall he wasn't consistent enough. And he came into training camp and also you know the off season, uh, not off season, but just before playoffs, like unfit, right? Which is Mm-hmm. Unacceptable.
1: So that was that was so fucking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, Vertanen definitely has uh, another chance for sure. And you know, a lot of Canuck fans probably undersell the fact that the Canucks themselves know what Jake Vertan will probably bring because he's been in the system for what, like seven seven years or so at this point? Six years. So six yeah. six, seven years. So, uh-huh. like, you know, it's, it's, it's a very underrated aspect to know in and out what kind of product that you have, you know, as opposed to something with a free agent where you may do your homework with Pro Scouts, but you don't really know the type of player you get until you've had them in the organization for a little bit, too. So Canucks have definitely been patient with Bertanen. You know, they've definitely we invested have. a lot of time, a lot of resources to how he wants to develop. Uh, you know, you know it. It it's difficult because there's definitely a lot of bargain options available with this free agency. You know, you definitely see players signing for less than what they usually will because it's a different world. Uh, but I think I think Canucks. Definitely didn't lose sleep over losing to Foley, even though they probably would have wanted to keep him. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, you've already traded those players. You know, don't you know? You definitely don't want to develop tunnel vision on wanting to sign them to feel like you're getting value because you've already lost the pieces in the trade. So you can't. You just have to live with the trade at that point. You know.
0: And so and we didn't give up too much. You know, like I, I think that's the thing. We mm-hmm. didn't give up like a whole lot. And we do have a lot of prospects still. We have one of the deeper prospect pools still, right? So mm-hmm. I think I think it was expendable, for sure. Yeah,
1: yeah. Awesome. I think I think also like a lot of fans have trouble, you know, mitigating the cost of a trade and you know, kind of living with a trade in general. If the player like goes away after like a while, or like the context like you know becomes more clear after like you know a few more seasons out, because you know, like how I see it is. You know, like, let's say, for example, you're, like, waiting for an elevator, you know, and you think to yourself, after 20 seconds and the elevator didn't come by, you know, you think to yourself, man, I could have just walked up the stairs, and that would have been quicker than, like, waiting for the elevator. So then you just walk up the stairs, and then the elevator, like, just comes by. Like, how I, how I think about, like, how fans think about trades is that they think all the time about, like, particular cost. And that that cost will be ruined if we don't re-sign that player right after we we, we trade for that player. Like if it's a rental, because yeah, ha- trades work in different contexts. You know, if if it's not worthwhile to sign someone like Tyler Toffoli, like don't add cost on top of what it what could be a worse situation. Because then you get times where some people sign bloated contracts because they what becomes a rental becomes someone who even extends out even further and could cost you more in in the long run too. So that's, that's definitely like opportunity cost that has to be uh, recognized as well for any sort of asset that you have for a professional hockey team. So. Mm. Mm -hmm. Interesting.
0: Interesting.
1: But yeah like in in, in general in general with tyler toffoli like like i said cc plus C+, i don't think i i don't i don't think i really like care as much now that to is gone just because it like we definitely have like you know a few more people coming in like we've got Niels hoglander we got Vertanen, who who he has might, another shot might, so
0: he might play full he might he might get a shot actually It'll, that'll yeah. be interesting yeah
1: I think, I think what's underrated also, we also have Berchi, but I think Berchi might be sitting like the start of the season out too. So who knows how that's going to go about as well.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, Benning was like, oh, Berchi will be ready for season. I'm like, oh, really? Yeah. Which is interesting. Um,
1: well, well, we see, we'll see with Berchi. We'll see with um, Ferlin. We'll also see with uh, Louis Erickson too. Maybe they'll all be put in the AHL so that they can lose they can uh, save some uh, cap space. So those those are things okay, we'll be able to answer helps. later.
0: Yeah. I was actually just surprised you gave a C plus. I thought you'd give it more of like a B or maybe an A. Because you didn't really care. Like I gave it a C because I was kinda sad, but anyway. Um moving on to I think the last one here looks like it's Schmidt. I don't even know how to spell his brother's name. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, your thoughts on Schmidt? How
1: about getting... how about uh, you go first this time? Like, what do you think Fuck about what do you think about Nate, Nate Schmidt?
0: I like that. I like that. I like that. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it was a movie had to make. We were doing nothing, <laughs> and it it was getting dangerous, <laughs> and we needed a top four because I think Eric Gustafson would have been a nice addition as well. But I honestly I think this is better. So the my grade's gonna be very high. First of all, we saw Nature Mid play against us and he was super solid, super versatile, really fast. And a lot of people say he's an upgrade over Tanovan. I'm like on and off, but I, I I think I guess right now at the moment maybe he is. Like he, he's really, really good point. Really solid player. And his cap bit is a bit high, but at the same time it's uh what is it? If we, if we didn't if he didn't he wasn't steep uh, the offer that we or like the pieces we gave him, it was only a third round pick right I was really shocked mm-hmm. so I thought I think I thought this was steal of a trade for us and uh, and it filled a need right away he can fit right with Hughes on the right side so yeah I'm gonna say this is an A move by Brandon hmm Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's one. I don't know. Yeah, Aim my are really fast, versatile <laughs> moves. Hawkewell, Hawkwell and
1: then getting, getting your notes for for our uh, next <laughs> Yeah,
0: and the return was not that steep. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he's a really good top four option. So I was, yeah. I was kind of surprised we got him. I was yeah. looking at Vatten. I was screaming for Vatten, but mm-hmm. honestly, this mm-hmm. is a commercial. So yeah, we could still get. Vattin, yeah, well,
1: like, yeah. what, what kind of options were you thinking Canucks were uh, that you would want the Canucks to get at the time before the Nate, Two, Nate being available?
0: Three, three options I had in order was Eric Chernak which we would have to make a trade as to, well.
1: You would have to make an offer sheet or a trade, yeah.
0: But at the same time, I guess we don't need to do that anymore. I kind of still want Eric Chernak, but maybe we don't need him anymore. Um. But yeah, Eric Chernak, yeah. Dabby Bateman, and then uh, Travis Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Those are my three options.
1: Let me say this then. Like For someone like an Eric Chernak, would you pay... Something like two second round picks, for example, for something like an Eric Trenak.
0: Oh, just like uh, Devin, Devin Taze?
1: hmm Yeah. Just like Colorado paid with Devin Tays. And you know the weird thing is I, I maybe Eric Chernak would have even been worth more. That that's also Oh one. really? Yeah. Because really? Devin Taze is twenty six and he's he's been around is, like the twenty uh huh. How old is Eric
0: Chernak?
1: Eric Chernack, twenty three he's, he's oh. definitely less productive but he's also been a pretty good defenseman in general for uh for uh, for tampa bay so i think like some i would see something around like two second round picks if we would have like a comparable uh deal
0: wait let me see his uh, track, uh
1: he's around like like i have i have his stats right here it's like twelve points in the regular okay. season four points in the uh playoffs
0: what about his advanced stats? Uh possession metrics. Horsey four wasn't great.
1: Mm-hmm. Eric Chernak in, in particular was somewhat low low eventful when when it came to um when it came to like the for, for the playoffs. But uh no you know, you know when, when I see the projections of someone like an Eric Chernak, like it's <clears> hmm <throat> good question actually.
0: Like, I heard he had good advanced numbers. That's why I was, but then looking at it, it doesn't look like he has great. Right?
1: It, it it's it's okay. Like I I I would see something like an Eric Chernak. You probably could pay something like maybe three mil. I I would say, especially with this with this uh with this type of uh economy at the moment. You know, we've we've seen players kind of comparable. Like I, I say, someone comparable could be someone like hmm. Brandon Carlo maybe. Uh. Like maybe Brandon Carlo, uh, who who else could be somewhat comparable? Uh, like maybe Matt, maybe Matt Dumba, but Matt Dumba is definitely more more of a productive player. Uh, I don't want Matt point. Dumba. Yeah. No, no, but I'm I, like saying comparable contracts. I'm saying comparable uh, contracts. Uh, that's why I think Eric Trenak would be something like two point five three mil, uh, and Tampa Bay obviously has far from. That cap space. I mean, they literally just bought out Tyler Johnston, who was at one point one of their better players. Now, kind of struggling, but at one point one of their better players, and they're still trying to struggle uh, on their uh, on their cap space issues because they have to sign Trelli, and they also got to sign Cernak, and they also got to sign Sergachev. So, those those players are going to be interesting. Like, I, I would I would like to see if they would be able to somehow sign both of those. But um, you know, I I think I think like I, I wouldn't I wouldn't fall in love with someone like Eric Chernak if I had to pay two second round picks because because I think the pay the payoff is not as as good. Maybe maybe he could blossom to something really good, but uh, I've definitely with the advanced statistics I see here, he definitely doesn't have, like, a huge production when it comes to goal scoring and shot creation. Yeah. He's, he's more of, like, kind of the defensive type of type, kind of breaking out into more of a shutdown kind of player, uh, not on offensive of offensive upside.
0: A better, a better Eric Branson.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like, um, yeah, kind of like Brandon Carlo, but a little bit less oh, offensive. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is really... I mean, we,
0: were, we, were, we were looking at Carlo a bit, too. That would have been nice. But... Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. He might have
0: been more. Well, you might have to add like more, like prospects mm-hmm. for Brandon Carlo.
1: Well, yeah. I also I don't think Boston's really giving up Brandon Carlo right now. He's one of their few like should. young defensemen, yeah. so they're probably Him not. And... Yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, like, I, I like you know, you would say Eric Chernak. Who else?
0: I want Vatanen. Mhm. I like
1: you like Vatanen?
0: He's all right. I think he could fit nicely in the top six, hmm. maybe a top. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think?
1: Uh, I I re- I really am pessimistic about someone like uh, Sammy Vatnman because he is pretty um he, he's pretty injury prone. Uh, I I would say it's it it's very difficult for me to see how Sammy Vatnman would work on a Vancouver Canucks team. He would kind of be your, your middle pair option, but you also have to be um, skeptical on how he lasts through a very very packed schedule. I would say that like he could provide good value if you were able to get him on a value contract. But I wouldn't I wouldn't really see Vatman as a really great option, personally.
0: Then who who do you want Venkovich time? We need I think mm-hmm. we need one more Easy. Wait, let's see. easy. Uh, Nate Schmidt. We, we already have. Okay. Cool. okay we got and, Edler.
1: Nate Schmidt is Edler. enough.
0: Hughes and Schmidt. Then we have uh, a mix of Ulevi and Georgie Ben. And then on the right side, we have Rafferty. I guess we need two right now. But I'm okay with keeping Rafferty. But mm. well, maybe we do need two more. Yeah.
1: Yeah like with Sammy Botnen for example like he he definitely struggled with New Jersey definitely kind of reverted uh on on his particular uh, upside from when he was with the uh, Anaheim Ducks so also the but fact again, it that it was New Jersey right yeah 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 and he hasn't he hasn't played like more than 50 games the last two seasons so it's definitely a testament that he could start getting he could start get a little more brittle Especially because he started 30s. So He's, he's kind of
0: like the new Chris Tanev, I guess.
1: Mm, they're, they're, they're different types of players. So you can't really say he's a Chris no, Tanev. I mean,
0: in terms, in terms of injury prone. Yeah. Because, yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Okay. He's definitely less uh, able to block shots, a little more focused on the offensive part of the game. So uh, I so would say, like, hmm. Uh,. It's tough. Like at one point, I really liked Travis Hamonic, but he's also, like, I I would say he's a worse story than Chris. Chris
0: yeah, I think I think I think I think Hamonic's worse than. Mhm, mhm.
1: I wish we could have like you know like when when it came when it came to the trade side, like I was kind of thinking about um, David Savard at one point. He was a really good penalty killer. He wasn't super flashy, but can play like the top four role, kind of like Chris Tanev, and is only one year left at four point two five. So, from what from what I'm seeing here with Cap Friendly, so that was one target I had in particular as well. Uh, This is a very uh, unknown player from Florida because, actually, ironically, like Florida players don't really generate a lot of buzz. But uh, Mackenzie Weegar was also a pretty interesting guy as well, a little more cost control kind of player.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh I've 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 always been a fan of Damon uh Severson as well. But uh he's def he's definitely uh harder to get. Uh would be a bigger would be a bigger uh pay for. Uh obviously there's Eric Cernak, but you know, you would have to pay an offer sheet or you would have to trade for his RFA status. So,
0: hmm. so you wanted Uyghur, I guess? I think
1: eh, you get him. Bugar Savard, I'd say Savard. That's that was a player that I was looking at. Um, I guess on the free Ooh, agent who, market, yeah, maybe yeah, maybe I'd say maybe I would say um, Travis Ham- Hamanek or Ron Haysie.
0: Is he a right side guy?
1: Who? Ron Haysie. Ron a Left hand. Yeah, I I think I think he played right because he played with uh, Morgan Riley, right? Was Morgan oh. Riley right? <laughs>
0: I don't remember. hmm Anyway, um, okay, okay. All right. Uh, and then your thoughts on Schmidt.
1: Mm, Nate Schmidt. Uh, I think Nate Schmidt's a pretty good ad. He's definitely better than um definitely better than TANF. He he's basically the all around top four defenseman. He's he's strong when it comes to um, when it comes to offense generation. Uh, he's definitely a little bit less defensive-minded than Chris Tanev, but the benefit of that is that he'll be able to drive more play. Uh, I I could definitely see him as an option with uh, Quinn Hughes, for sure. Uh, he, can, he has definitely played a lot of tough minutes with Vegas. And, you know, the 5.9 deal is definitely somewhat of a concern to me uh, for five years. But for the type of play that he'll generate, Obviously, we'll have to see with uh, how he plays the next uh, five years or so. But I think he'll be a decent, dis- a decent, uh, a decent pickup for the Canucks, especially for a third-round pick. It, it is, oh, yeah. it is, it is tough though because you know, in context, like third-round pick seems like absolutely amazing for a top-four guy. But then you also got to realize that they were that Vegas was able to get Petrangelo and stay un- yeah, somewhat under Petrangelo, the cap because oh, Canucks took Schmidt off their hands. So,
0: So basically, Vegas upgraded. Yeah. So, it was, Pet- a, win-win. Petro- it was Petro- a
1: win-win. Petrangelo yeah. is, like, a top pair defenseman in this league.
0: Um, I can't know. believe they got Petrangelo. They're he, so dangerous. He's, oh he's, he's
1: basically elite for the next, like, for the first half of his contract. He'll be, he'll be, oh absolute, he'll be, he'll be an elite, play, elite
0: player. Oh, I'm so scared of Vegas now. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure Schmidt will like to have revenge against his old goal club too.
1: Sure, sure, yeah. Gener- generate, I mean, and generate those uh, Vegas, headlines for sure, Vegas, yeah. Uh,
0: and Hopey, uh Vegas' worst nightmares. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, we'll we'll see we'll see how it works out. I say with uh, with Nate Schmidt, uh, you know, some people will say like, oh, we could have got more value, or we could have retained salary, all that jazz. No. You know, Canucks is not the only NHL team that exists in this league. I, it, you have you have to like sometimes get yourself out of you know the tunnel the tunnel mentality. There's definitely other players that, that look is to me. There's
0: yeah. there's other
1: teams that try to improve their defense as well and would love like a player like Nate Schmidt. Like you know, this is a third round pick two three years ago. Whether it's a third round or a fourth round or even a fifth round, honestly, I don't really care. Like what I really care is, you know the fact that we did give cap relief to a rival in our division so that's definitely the harder part to to, um, to grasp but if we wanted a really good top four defenseman for a very cheap price and we couldn't get one in free agency this is this is how we're able to do it so i i think overall it's a good deal and i you know you know, getting out of my armchair, like, you know, kind of GM status, you know, I I think, I think Nate, um, Nate Schmidt will be a good defenseman for Vancouver for the next few years. Uh, Hopefully, hopefully Henderson and uh, Hughes like him, (laughs) you know.
0: (laughs) So, your grade?
1: Uh, I say, I say kind of around B plus, I would say. It's, it's, it's a good deal. And, you know, if, if Canucks weren't able to get like a good defenseman like Nate Schmidt, it's def you would definitely be more pessimistic of the Canucks offseason, for sure. Uh, Nate Schmidt himself is definitely, uh, is def has definitely made like a few more Canuck fans happier uh, during Thanksgiving.
0: Agreed, 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 including myself, including myself. Right. I think that I think that wraps up all the three agents that have been let go and with
1: who we got. Um. Oh, man, I'm not oh, yeah, really fighting about Louis Demain? <laughs> nah,
0: nah, nah, nah. Uh, nah. Okay, okay. We... <laughs> do, you, do you want to say something? Huh? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I didn't know if you did. <laughs> Sorry, Louis. We love your pies. We yeah. love your food. but we, we, lo- we, like,
1: we like your baking. We like your uh, storytelling, you know, as well.
0: Oh yeah, storytelling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you know, um, good luck Calgary. Anyway. Mm. Uh, final thought, final thing I wanted to talk about was uh, yeah, free agency isn't over. There's still moves to be made, and I'm sure betting. Well, what do you think of betting taking all this heat, like with the fire betting? Do you think it's uh justifiable, or do you think it's a little harsh? What do you think?
1: Hmm. I don't know. It, it, it depends on your perspective of social media. I would say, like, like how how do you feel like when you see on on like Facebook or Twitter like firebending is like trending. Like, how do you feel?
0: No, no, because I talk to, I have a group chat, right, a Canucks group chat, and these mm-hmm. guys are not just like one time fans. Like they've been with the team for a while. Mm-hmm. So I I I take their insights with uh you know. With some seriousness for sure yeah i'm like yeah. oh yeah yeah you're right you know yeah yeah but like i tried to defend Benny, and they're like i basically i said they said betting did nothing good for our organization and mm-hmm. then i i try to defend it saying like you know he's brought this team to where it is now and they're like what did he do and then i was like i named some stuff but he was like they made him basically a lot more bad thing mm-hmm are like, uh, uh, basically contracts like free agency and a couple of trades so yeah what do, what do you think
1: uh i you know in, in general with jim benning he's he's definitely somewhat polarizing for some Connect fans you know on the one hand he's definitely drafted pretty well like you know some people will say well it was the, the scouting scout but like you know you I, I would say like with the whole kind of jim benning type of era you know it's it's definitely, is definitely a tale of like, kind of two stories. Like obviously the one story is the developmental side where you are able to get like good pieces like uh, Liz Peterson, Quinn Hughes, Brock Besser, um, you know, was able to develop Adam Gaudet. Um, you're able to, uh, you know, have like these core pieces be able to teach, you know, Bo Horvat and a few other uh, pieces of the uh, Canucks uh, core that exists today And we're able to generate a good environment where, you know, a lot of, a lot of players will, you know, maybe have Vancouver down as, you know, a team to look out for, for the years to come. You know, it, I I definitely can't say like, no, like, you know, all other GMs could do the same job Jim Benning has done. You know, I I think Jim Benning himself, like, you know, a lot of people really mark down the type of work he does. Um, But, you know, in, in general, I can, I can see why some people are frustrated. I personally, you know, whether, whether it was, like, Judge Brackett that did it or Jim Benning that didn't do it, at, at the end of the day, like, you know, the Canucks themselves are an organization of, of, pe- of, of professional people. So when I, when I think about Jim Benning, I think more about Jim Benning era. And what I see is that I think they've definitely progressed pretty well. Like you know they've definitely generated some good pieces what what comes at the cost was obviously how they've handled things during free agency and i think that's why you know jim benning didn't really want to sign a lot of players during this free agency and that's why a lot of people were angry that he wasn't as aggressive this time around but you know, there were times during other free agencies where he was signing Jay Beagle, Antoine Roussel, and Tyler uh, Myers that he was aggressive, and people got angry about that too. So exactly,
0: I think you. So. I think he feels aggressive this year too. I think it's just it's just it's a loose, loose situation, you know. Fans mm-hmm. are just way too hard yeah. on our management. So
1: you know, like for stuff like Canucks Twitter and like Canucks, like you know, on Facebook in in general, like you know, I I like. I have my moments where I poke fun but like it's a, it's all in it's a, it's all in like um you know in in fun gestures. You know, I I personally think, you know, Jim Benning is definitely okay. He's not he's not the best GM that I've ever seen. Uh you know, our team would definitely have been different if we didn't draft like Patterson and Hughes for sure. But, you know, there's there's always going to be times that you'll think if there was a different person at the helm, what would our team look like? And sometimes you just think you don't know because you just never know how, you know, how people at the helm can affect, you know, the direction of a of an organization, but it can affect it a lot. You know, we could, we could have had like a Cody glass, like instead, or we could have, you know, have an Evan Bouchard, like as part of our, you know, a core but maybe we would also had like you know Petrangelo on on the Canucks because we were able to have more cap space because maybe this GM would hold the cap space a little better or maybe it would be someone who had done it a little worse, focused a little bit more on character and grit more than maybe even Jim Benning. Now I think I think in general like what I've seen with the Canucks, I'm I'm happy enough. It's definitely not, uh, it's definitely not a world like class like organization it doesn't always feel like a world or class organization that's being run around but uh aquilini's and uh jim benning uh and and the organization i think i think i'm i'm okay with the job that they're doing not absolutely amazing but uh you know i'll i'll definitely after jim benning does eventually get let go do a little bit more of a in memoriam thing and have a more substantial opinion because I think right now I do feel very wishy-washy on how I feel about Jim Benning.
0: Um, what's your overall grade with Jim Benning's tenure with Vancouver so far? Uh,
1: Jim Benning, in particular, I'll I'll say something like a B minus. Um, you oh. know, with 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 the drafts and how he's been able to um, gather a few good good um, characters and players into league you know it's definitely definitely better than the Edmonton rebuild that's that's for sure um but the, the the signings definitely do hurt my my personal opinion about Jim Benning like with with Tyler Myers and Roussel and Beagle and especially with Louis Erickson as well I wish he definitely did a little bit more homework uh and wasn't as aggressive but um You know, every single GM has their own flaws. And I get it because at the end of the day, GMs are people like us too. Sometimes they get their own particular philosophy. I just wish that Jim Benning was a little bit careful with money. not Because, you know, Aquilini's may have a lot of money, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have to spend it. So, but Benning has definitely done better on the developmental side of the Canucks. And that's why I don't call him the worst GM of all time, you know?
0: I don't think he is, either. No, no.
1: Like, like, I don't know. Like, what what do you think about, like, Jim Benning, Justin? Oh.
0: Honestly, I have a better view of Jim Benning than most people. Uh, th- I'm just gonna pull up something really quick. It's just when I talk to the, my group chat mm-hmm. and when they're actually destroying me. i was okay. just, just read out a couple.
1: <laughs> Destroyed with okay. the facts and logic.
0: Yeah. Uh, Oh see. Okay, okay. All right. All right, here we go. So basically
1: I will say this though while you're searching for your information. Mm -hmm. Uh you know, it's 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 tough for me to like be positive. Like sometimes about gym betting, because there there are times that, you know, philosophies feel like they're kind of changing year over year. Like, you know, in one year, like with 2015, it felt like we were competing. Uh, 2016, 17, and 18, it felt like we were trying to compete for just being in the playoffs, but we really should have been a little more focused on, you know, developmental side. Uh I think I think there's times where of course you want to keep cards close to the chest, but it's also it's also like I think somewhat of a big miss at points where Jim Benning definitely could have been a little bit more directional focused. It felt like at a few points he was definitely a little wishy-washy on his uh messaging as an organization. So I I can see why a lot of people have a bad like viewpoint of someone like Jim Benning or like the Canucks organization in general.
0: Yeah, it's because the management, the Aquilini's, pushed Benning a lot too. I they mean, want to playoffs, right? we we
1: don't necessarily know this type of stuff unless you know we actually get like an actual like recording of this stuff. You know, a lot of this stuff is, of course, conjecture. You know,
0: it's. But at the same time, it makes sense. It makes sense for definitely to do that because, you know, yeah. they want that winning culture regardless of how they. So yeah. I I I think that definitely did happen.
1: I mean it's been it is. what like like 5 6 years with Jim Benning. So
0: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, his tenure's been long, you know. So mm-hmm. um he's lasted he's lasted 30 years. Okay, here it is. So, so I I said we need to give credit where credit's due. He's just really weak with free agency and then one of our guys said we need to give credit to the worst GM in our history. Um, gave up premium premium assets for 17 games. And I was like, like, who knew that Toffoli would only play 17 games? And then, uh, he was like, Benning made no effort to resign him. And I was like, okay, that is kind of true. And I was like, we need a replacement for Besser at the time. And then he was like, that's a terrible excuse. I was like, uh, okay. Um...
1: Yeah, well, okay, that's, like, the wrong mindset to have. Like I said with the Tyler Toffoli trade, like, at the point we lost Besser for weeks on end. So we didn't know how Brock Besser was going to return or if he was going to even return. If you wanted the Canucks to be a playoff uh, playoff team or wanted them to maybe even be a contender, you would want them to get like a right wing to replace them. And then when playoffs start again, you would have a a surplus on on the right wing side, have multiple attacking options. So, you know, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, like I think think Tyler Toffoli was a great option for top six. But if I had to choose between Nate Schmidt or Tyler Toffoli, I would 100% choose Nate Schmidt because a top four defenseman is more important to me than a top six winger gives more gives more uh gives more value you know he was definitely he's definitely a solid defenseman you know it, it's sad that we lose Tyler Toffoli but like i said you know you you can't you can't be tunnel vision on on the price you paid for a trade because the payment has already been paid you know you can't you can't think oh it's a worse deal just because we didn't re-sign him i mean the deal's the same whether you resign them or not you're just putting more of an opportunity cost on the particular trade so you know that's that's something that i think some gms haven't really learned or like maybe they get too they, they get too pressured to make you know to put even more value onto onto like a player just because they had to trade a lot of stuff for him so you know Mm-hmm. You know what? What I'm basically trying to say is like you know, don't think the Tyler Toffoli trade is worse just because we weren't able to re-sign him. It's still the same deal at the yeah. end of the day. It is. It is a bitter pill to swallow because I think we would we would love Tyler Toffoli on the top six. It would definitely make the team a little lo- a little bit more elite. But you know, the cap's the cap, and uh, I like Nate Schmidt. I personally like Nate Schmidt a lot.
0: So you you agree with me, right?
1: yeah I, well i would agree that like you know Benning is definitely not the worst gm of all time like you know um i i think i think how he's handled you know his uh previous his previous players during free agency has definitely been at best questionable and at worst pretty bad uh i i wish he had more people like involved or at least had more communications it's it's definitely not what i think about like you know when i think about the Canucks as you know a, a not world class organization that ha- is not able to keep contact with four players or four agents uh four players agents you know it it's 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 definitely not he's definitely not the like he's far from the best gm that i think the Canucks have ever had you know
0: mm. yeah yeah for sure mm-hmm. So, no, no, what I was asking is you agree with that, like, about um, who knew Tofoli was going to play only 17 games and, like, we needed a replacement. So, you agree with me? In that I mean, case, we need a replacement. Right? Yeah, that's, that's where
1: I, I agree with you. Exactly.
0: Yes. It, okay, 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 okay. All right, next. Um... Blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, and he was like Erickson for six for six. Sutter, five years at 4.7. Uh Beagle for three years. At uh, four years at three mil. Myers for six years. At uh, five years at six mil. That's twenty mil. Benning did awesome, which is sarcastic. Um and I just said I hate I just hate that you guys completely overlook the good things he's done with the team. Mm-hmm. And he's good. Mm-hmm. Which I was like I I was kinda done. I was like, I'm, whatever I say, they're not gonna agree with me at all. So
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Louis and, Erickson and at like, the time. Explain. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Louis Erickson at the time. It's very difficult because you have to remember at the time we were trying to remain competitive. And a lot of players thought that a lot of people thought that Louis Eriksson would really work out because, you know, during international play, um, the Sedins really liked playing Louis, Louis Erickson. It's been shown that he was very successful, uh, like at 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 the time, like, you know, they played a pretty similar type of game. Um but, you know, a lot of people thought Louis Erickson would be a really good fit. And at at the time too, six million for a first line right winger, which a lot of people thought that's what Louis Erickson would be, is actually not a half bad deal, you know. But he was far from that and it it's very it's it's tough to know things. But, you know, I think people realize that they definitely overpaid for someone like Lou Erickson, but didn't, they didn't think that Lou Erickson would turn to, like, a zero offense player, you know. there's It's definitely also, I think, also on the player, too, that he definitely didn't pan out the way that he was able to uh, completely pan out, you know. I, I don't put 100% blame on, like, someone like Jim Benning, for sure, but I think, I think the intent was understandable, but the contract long term, because with the Sedins leaving Louis Erickson was definitely going to be more of a dead weight to a rebuild. So I think the contract and the term was definitely not optimal. Like I would say like, like at the time I was kind of rating it around like a C plus B minus kind of signing. Like obviously, with hindsight, you would definitely say the signing was almost the almost definitely a pure F. But I thought at the time B minus kind of selling. I think it, I think if if it worked out, people would have a little bit more of a positive viewpoint of uh, Louis Erickson, if he was actually getting sixty mm-hmm. plus points with uh, the Sedin's. Mm.
0: I think honestly, even at the time, I was like pretty excited. But I think term I uh, know uh, money wise, it wasn't. The worst. Mm-hmm. Imagine if it was $6 million for two years. Right when the Sedins retired, mm-hmm. his contract comes off. We didn't have to sign him, right? And we would know what kind of player he was. Mm-hmm. But for six years, I just think, I didn't think it made sense. Because mm-hmm. he was 31 already. We would have to sign him till he's 37, which we're doing now, unless we buy him out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think it made sense at all for six years. He was going to decline. There was no doubt about that.
1: Well, also Vancouver was in a transition at the time. That's why I didn't think it was the right contract uh, at the time. But I sure, was—they were yeah. trying
0: to speed up the re- rebuild. They were trying to speed up the rebuild. My 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 touched.
1: thinking was Louis Erickson, who was a really good player at the time, uh, could have definitely been a good benefit for you know the Sabines, because we saw with um, Louis Eriksson uh, in Dallas, especially in his prime, he was like seventy plus points. Uh, with Boston, oh, yeah, he, he was, was around kind of forty to sixty points or so. So I thought, like you know, if if he was able to be a consistent fifty-point scorer, you know, six million's definitely not a really good deal for something like a six for for fifty-plus points. But it's it's understandable with free agency. Now I didn't think he would be twenty points like he is now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like at at like with with twenty-plus points. 20 or so points he's definitely a horrible deal but i'm pretty sure the canucks really wish that it worked out a little better with Sidians for sure so like that's why like now a lot of people have a lot of sour feelings about louis erickson you know i'm pretty sure louis erickson himself wishes he plays better too you know he's not he's definitely not just grabbing money and being happy about it you know especially with this market, a lot of people are going to really make you feel bad if you're underperforming. And that's definitely been held true. Like, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of players have spoken out, like, you know, with unnamed sources saying that, you know, Canada in itself, if you aren't pulling your weight on a team, they'll make sure that you know, and that's when you will definitely feel the pressure or at worst, even, even depressing thoughts too. So it, it would not surprise me if someone like Louis Erickson or maybe even a Brandon Sutter would feel those types of feelings in a Vancouver market. So I think sure I think that's an underrated report of the of the of the uh, side of the player. But uh, yeah, like you know, like I wish we could had that contract back. You know, so yeah, every 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 GM definitely has their bad signings too. So. No, mm-hmm. I,
0: I'm, I'm. I think they're. I think, they, they're, uh, I, I think th- their case was just there was just way too many compared to the good, mm-hmm. and it just didn't balance yeah. out it. And I didn't really have much to say about that part. Like, that. yeah, yeah. But... I just think money, money wise, is fine. Um, if it was just two or three years, I think no one really would really turn a blind eye.
1: Lou Eriksson was gonna no. get more for sure. I... Um, but. You know. You could you could say the same thing about something like, you know, maybe even a Peter Shirelli or even, you know, a Dale Talon, because like he signed Mabroski's ten million for seven years and already year one, he's was, definitely looking far from a ten million goal That was that
0: was that was ridiculous. so that was ridiculous from the get go. But yeah, yeah, you're right. With which embedding anyway, um, is
1: more of a trend. So I can see why a lot of people are frustrated, especially the people in your um in your like you know, your group chat, but no. For, for me, yeah, yeah. like you know, I don't know. May- <laughs> can, can can we can we just say like you know, let's just enjoy hockey and just be be done with this whole like analytical side of go- of hockey. <laughs> you know, sometimes can, can we just can we just forget about like you know psychoanalyzing every single like play. You know, and just enjoy like the Canucks like right in front of us. I don't I don't know. <laughs>
0: I don't know. It just gets me more stressed, not knowing what we're gonna ice on our, our oh, away yeah. regular of course, starts. Of you course, know, like course. I would, I would love. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's why. And also, this is what I wanted. This is what no, I my my into, thing so. is. Just
1: more jest You know.
0: I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, like um, I said, Jim Benning, uh, kind of average, yeah.
1: really pretty good on the developmental side. Has definitely helped the Canucks be, uh, you know. Has definitely helped the Knuts be better, like when it comes to the whole side of like player development, pro scouting and with some somewhat on pro scouting at one point. But like when it comes to you know scouting NHL talent, uh when it when it comes to the free agent signings, he's definitely far below average. With Erica Branson, with um with uh, like, uh, like obviously, like with Louis Erickson and Brandon Sutter type of signings. Okay,
0: let, let's yeah. stop. Let's stop it. Yeah. Hey, it's just too much. Too much. Yeah, now.
1: that's bas- That's basically like, <laughs> like there, there's a tale of two stories. You're not gonna get. You're not gonna escape those type of narratives. That's basically how I feel.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. A uh, couple other things uh, they talked about was uh, he, he asked, "Do you think he got us P D and Hughes?" And then another guy said, he's done nothing good. Bracket carries the draft, which I didn't really agree with. And I think betting definitely had a part in it. But um, one of the guys said, Miller trade was great, though, which I do agree. It turned out well. It was risky, all in two. And then the guy was like, wow, one trade from the six seasons he's been here. I could do better. And I I, I was kind of ticked off about that. Um, And then... Uh, oh, yeah, they talked about OEL, uh, eggman Larson. Did you want him, or did you not?
1: Me? Uh, personally, no, but
0: it's me, a, it depends on the
1: deal. Like, if it was a very cheap deal, like maybe a few pecs, and they would retain salary, I would be happy about it.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. But his, his contract, it is pretty long, and it's
1: mm-hmm. hard. yeah, yeah, and that that's why yeah, I would want retain salary, salary that would and also be a very cheap price because you've seen with a lot of deals already, it's yeah. been a pretty cheap price for a lot of um, for a lot of
0: players. I think it's back to standard. I think when Myers got remember, I remember when Myers got his contract that year, that free agency, okay. it was that like that kind of defenseman. That was like the standard, and that's why betting gave that. But now I look at, it, I'm like, that makes no sense. That's way too mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. Six mil for five years, yeah, for sure. Um.
1: Hey, at least we had a few good like- signings, like you know, like uh, Redeem Verbata, for example. He was definitely a good player with the sure, Civis. Sure, sure. So.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, but you know, I can understand. Um, you know, the yeah. big ticket UFA's, he's definitely has his fair share of, like, you know, weak signings.
0: Mm-hmm. And then one guy said, we can't even sign 1.7 for a defender. Uh. Duh, duh, duh. Oh, yeah. And then I said, uh, he was like, name one good trade. So I was like, the legal trade. And then he was like, Levo trade, skull face. And I was like, why? It was a pretty good trade. Um, he came up with, for a good thing, Benning did. He kind of pissed me off, and then I was like, and he basically rebuilt the team to where the, where it is, where it was in the playoffs, and Gillis ruined it before. He's like, that's sad. Rebuilt the team, and then he was like, he was like, are you kidding me? And he's like, he said Benning rebuilt the team. I thought, I thought, yeah, I don't know, they didn't agree with me, but, um, and then, or oh, actually, let me see this. Oh, that one's actually...
1: Yeah,
0: that one's all the demons played. Um, rebuilt the team with Erickson, Sutter, Beagle, Roussel, Myers, Ben, Ferlin. Mm-hmm. OMG, he called that a good rebuild because he just named all the bad ones. You know, how was that fair? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, how does Benning get credit for drafting P.D. and Hughes? And I was like, how can you completely to a dream that's been with us for five years? Mm-hmm. So you give Benning no credit at all, and then. He was like, he's been terrible all along. We'd suck without PD and Hughes, and our scouts got us them. Luis for six. Um, Derek Pouliot. Justin hasn't said one good thing that Benny has done. I did. Um, they just decided to ignore it. We traded McCann for Pearson. That was a bad trade, I think. Um, well, what do you think? Letting go McCann early. I
1: mean, at least we were able to trade Eric Coman for Tanner Pearson, which I I think that itself was a pretty exactly. good deal.
0: I, I was about to say that, but I was gonna say that I forgot to say it. But yeah, there was that gritty for Pearson Miller B signing. Only good things yeah. that happened. you know. And I say some, that's wrong. Some
1: people um, may not want to um, you know admit it, but definitely the JT Miller trade definitely worked out a lot better than many many people thought. Definitely better than what I thought. I thought. JT Miller at best would be top six and at worst top nine, but he's definitely turned out to be he really, early. yeah, it was hopefully, it, it, yeah. hopefully it replicates. Uh, Niels Hoglander. I hope it I, I hope I think he works it was, out yeah. for this season too. You know, it's definitely strong coursey for him. Strong on the forecheck. Uh, could definitely be ready to play, uh, NHL minutes. will be interesting to see too.
0: know. Uh, Yeah, I said uh Leva for Leva for an AHLer. I thought that was a good deal. I, that was a good deal. Uh, and then Pearson, uh, Miller, and then Berchi for a second. And then this second was horrendous. That player turned out to be Rasmus Anderson. Uh, he's and he's decent better than Spen. And I was like Berchi was solid for us. And at that time, at that time we needed him. And he was like Berchi was solid for a year. And I was like he was good though one year. And I was like two point five. Was like, bear wasn't even good I'm like holy I was like so done I I was, I was- Hello? All right, sorry it cut off. <laughs> yeah, you were gonna say?
1: Okay, just okay. Like with with Justin's with Justin's like conversation with his friends with Connect with Canuck's, his fellow Connect fans. I'm pretty sure everyone who's listening has like a few friends. Maybe even maybe even yourself. Like you see yourself like you know, you know, you know, seeing the very pessimistic side of hockey operations or like you know trades in general. And, and, you know, it, it's totally fair. Like, you know, there's there's definitely times where we dwell a little bit more into seeing how, you know, a hockey team operates or a baseball team operates or a soccer team, football, whatever you want to call it, uh, or, you know, NFL, et cetera. You know, there's definitely a lot of points where, you know, we may enjoy the game, but we may not like how, you know, a certain team is ran because, you know, we definitely – have certain viewpoints on how we want a certain team to be run as well. And, you know, it's completely fair. Like, you know, that's why, you know, sports is a very, uh, very passionate and also, uh, a very like discussed type of sport because, you know, it's, 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 it's a lot, it's a lot of fun to watch. You know, it's, it's, it's definitely for me when I, when I see conversations like that, like, you know, I definitely don't go into like, you know, a lot of, um, uh, rants on like you know i think this person is the worst player ever or this is going to be the worst gm ever or the worst signing ever you know i think i always i'm always like cautiously pessimistic when it comes to a lot of like teams in general like the teams i like like for example like you know for me like you know it's not only the canucks that i like you know when it comes to when it comes to hockey i also like the blue jackets i know it's it yeah, you know, I, I like the heart and soul of like you know you know the Blue Jackets and how their fr- their franchise has been for me. At one point, I was a fan of the Senators before with Eugene Melnick. You know, uh, at one mm. point, I was a big fan of you know the Tampa Bay Lightning around uh, the times of 2011 to 2015 or so, and kind of became a bandwagon fan. You know, in in general, when when I, what I'm basically trying to say is with with these types of like conversations, you know, I think there's definitely a point where we kind of get a little too far into trying to think of, you know, hockey and operations because for me, like, and I'm, I'm far from like, you know, the, the big Jim Benning defender myself, but I think we also have to be very careful on how we see operations from the outside too. Cause we see with certain players and with certain uh, with certain teams, there's definitely different demands that each each team has and each player has on any sort of market. You know, there's some play, there's some players and teams that do like the Canucks and would be more often wanting to deal with them or talk with them, and there'll be some that will put more harsher terms on the Canucks too. You know, and it's all dependent on how management is able to handle that type of stuff as well. And, you know, from, for, for what I know, maybe Jim Benning, relative to the conversations he's having inside the offices, might actually be doing a better job than, you know, some people expected. I mean, there's a reason why he's still there, you know, six, six years in. You know, if he was really doing a really horrible job, according to the Aquilines, he would definitely have been fired at this point. Um, but, you know, there's got to there's be reasons that I think Jim Benning is still there according to the Aquileating family. I'm not exactly 100% sure. Like, you know, there's definitely a lot of high and low points, that I think, with Jim Benning, like I've been discussing throughout this whole conversation. But I think we have to, like, you know, both for the sakes of, like, you know, of 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 enjoying the sport, but also, like, you know, out of respect for everyone in the hockey operations, not just the Canucks, but, like, the 31 well, I guess now it's going to be 32 teams in the uh, NHL. How they operate, you know, the, the, the noticeable intricacies that it has to take to be able to properly manage a professional hockey team. And, you know, the different, the different things that fly around, like, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's not it's not all on the hands of one person, but I think that, you know, in general, it's very difficult to completely discuss if a, if an organization is doing very well or not, if we are not like the people who are listening on these particular phone calls or knowing the particular landscape of, of, you know, the world of NHL operations for all we know, like maybe Jim Benning really wants to do particular types of deals, but wasn't able to, you know, maybe cross the line because of, you know, X conversation or certain talking point or, Maybe the players not actually wanting to do a deal, et cetera. You know, it's 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 difficult when, when it comes to you know wanting to consume all the sports media. But I think that we also have to be very careful of not letting things go so far that we kind of turn into like a blind set of rage every time we like think about like franchises. I think, you know, when we when we develop this type of hatred, just because like maybe we we don't have a signing or a trade that we like as much. You know, I think sometimes we also lose the passion for, like, you know, the sport that we kind of, we try to watch as well. And, you know, sometimes I think, you know, some fans do have to return to the to those particular roots. Um, so I, I, I'd say that's in general, like, my reaction to the conversation. Definitely I wouldn't – I'd be far from saying Jim Benning's is the worst GM in general. I think it's – like, for me, like, it's definitely not a – it's definitely not a, a – a friendly take and definitely not the take I would take. I'm definitely more analytical with how I say things, you know, but, you know, overall, like when it comes to, you know, how Jim Benning has definitely changed the direction of the organization, his different types of philosophies, maybe he has even different types of staff. Like, you know, it may not be like the thing I always like, but there's definitely – Moves that I think Jim Benning has done that probably I would never be able to do myself and maybe the tasks and the responsibilities that Jim Benning has to do will definitely be far from the stuff that I'll be able to know. I mean, I'm just a fan that just knows a lot of teams and a lot of players, but what about the operational side? What about maintaining relationships? What about even stuff like marketing and also messaging? There's a lot of stuff that a general manager of hockey operations have to do. And, you know, it's it's really easy for each one of us to say things and want to do things but juggling everything at once as a general manager there's a reason why they are paid a lot of money so you know that's my personal take when it comes to you know managers uh and you know how fans react to these types of uh, operations you know
0: Uh, no, no, that, that, that was a really good take. Um, he puts it in perspective. Yeah, it's just the sports world, you know, with fans. It's just it can be very toxic. It can be very, very competitive, very passionate, in good way and also not in a good way. So mm-hmm. keeping in perspective and keeping, not not yeah, not turning a blind, just giving out blind rage.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's definitely like you know, especially online, definitely some pretty toxic. And you know, when it comes to negotiations and conversations, there's definitely bunches of conversations that happen. But like, you know, what are these conversations like? Maybe Jim Benning actually is doing very horrible in these conversations. I don't know. I I I don't know because I, I'm I'm not there and you know, all I can go off of is sources. And sometimes sources are, you know, either people within the organization or maybe agents who are trying to get a leg up on conversations. It's it's definitely well documented on, on that aspect too. So you got definitely have to be careful when it comes to sources in, in news media. But um, overall, like, like I I, I, let, I I'm caution, cautiously pessimistic when it comes to most things in general. But I think that you know when it comes to operations, like. I like to leave it to people who are very professional and have been in the business for a while. Like, you know, that's why I listen to people like, you know, Brian Burke on Sportsnet and, you know, see his, like, take on some things because he's been in the game. I've never been in the game. I don't think I'd be able to leave a sports franchise myself. I I don't think I'm a humble person for saying that, you know.
0: See, I see Mm-hmm. All right, that was a lot of we talked about. We were gonna end it right around the one hour mark, and then we talked a bit more about Benning and his tenure here. But yeah, um, that was our grades and our thoughts about Canucks off season with free agency and everything so far. Um, I don't know. There might be a part two about this. I don't know. Uh, especially as especially because we still need to figure out and add in more pieces to Vancouver's roster. Um, there has been other, other free agency, big, big, big add-ons, as we talked about, like with Trangelo um, in Vegas. And, you know, who else made a huge move? Like, uh, oh, yeah, Colorado has been doing great.
1: Colorado, Montreal has yeah. definitely been pretty good as well with Josh Anderson.
0: Oh, yeah, Josh Anderson yeah. was a great pick foley mm-hmm. was a good
1: pickup um, the as well yeah, you know Montreal I think I think could could be a pretty good dark horse or like you know a pretty good um, top team in the east if things uh, come together
0: I could see that too <clears throat> mm-hmm. I could see that too with with the Foley Anderson Rick Gallagher, that's a pretty stacked right side
1: mm-hmm yeah, I, I heard. I heard with yeah. uh, Toffoli, they were even maybe in thinking about putting him on the third third line because you got Gallagher, you got Anderson, and then you got Toffoli, and then Armia. So
0: exactly that just shows how much depth they have.
1: But yeah, and then they yeah. have Tatar and Drouin in and top six. Yeah, so like you know, we'll we'll be we'll definitely converse like in the future, like you know how you know other teams are definitely operating. Like this alone was just on the Canucks. So yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I just wanted to focus on Vancouver because uh, that was the main focus for. And my main concern right now. So, yeah, mm-hmm. hope you guys like that. This was a little more deeper, a little more more uh, analytical than just, like, surface. And uh, I learned a lot from what uh, Jason said. He likes to – I like how Jason, you know, has a calm mindset when it comes to these things about hockey, even though it is a passionate sport, you know, like, really putting things into perspective uh, as someone that's more emotional. I think it's something I need to work on, but – yeah, thanks Jason for your thoughts as always. And that about wraps it up. I I guess I was I was supposed to put uh an ad in the middle, but I guess I can just put it at the end here and then finish off. But right, anything you wanna say lastly, Jason?
1: Uh, lastly, uh, if if your team disappoints you, just uh, find another team. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then and then you'll be happy again <laughs> some mm. simple problems have simple solutions <laughs> if you really that, that... if you really hate jim benning and you hate how things are run uh you know maybe maybe mental health says that maybe you should just cheer for tampa bay yeah you
0: know, although and... that is the decent option of guys uh sports fans that's called bandwagoning and uh, I yeah, I, hey, I, think,
1: I think bandwagoning has a bad connotation you know like you know if, if you like teams and you like you like you know how, how they're playing like you know no prop no I, I think there's no there's no problem in cheering for them
0: You're right you're right I, I think it's I just know. I think it's just if you ditch a team right after they kind of suck it's like eh, but you know it's it's too narrow. Like,
1: like, 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 for example, I'll talk to the Detroit and Ottawa fans out there. Like, why do you still want to cheer for, for those teams, you know? Like, if they're making well, you feel looked, miserable.
0: Ottawa is like... looking pretty nasty uh, in, in a couple of years. And even this year. They might surprise us. But anyway. Um, mm-hmm. I like Ottawa, so, yeah, uh, that'll, yeah. That'll be interesting.
1: Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, when it comes to cheering, like, you know, if there's a team that you really like, just cheer for them. You know, and if you don't like any certain team, don't cheer for them. Like, you know, sometimes <laughs> I think the, the the solution is simple. But like, you know, I'm not saying like you know to all Knuck fans, if you hate Jim Benning, just leave or something. Like no, you, no, guys, can, don't do you can you can stay, like you know. I'm just saying that like you know, if you really think you know, a certain team is so bad that you just can't stand them, like you know, there's there's 30, there's 30 other teams soon to be 31 other teams, you know, branch out, you know, learn about other teams. I like learning about other teams, see how different teams operate, you know, in the, in the play in the playoffs, like, you know, and also within the regular season, I became a little bit more of a fan of the New York Islanders, for example, you know, I didn't know much about the New York Islanders before, but like, you know, I like Lou Lou Lamorello, I definitely like uh, Barry Trotz and how he handled, uh, how he handled, um, you know, different teams, all the way to the Philadelphia Flyers and also, uh, you know, the Tampa, the Tampa Bay Lightning. You know, I, I like watching it, and I became a fan of them over time. You know, it's it's good to see other teams and see, you know, how they operate. And broadens your perspective.
0: Did Barry Trotz coach Tampa?
1: No, New York Islanders. I'm talking about oh, the New York it, Islanders.
0: Yeah, no, you said Tampa, so I was like, wait, what? Okay.
1: Oh, because I, Islanders played against Tampa.
0: Oh, I see.
1: The conference final.
0: Sure, 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 true, true. Yeah. True. Anyway, yeah. Um, thanks, Jason. And, uh, yeah. We'll catch yeah. you on the next podcast. Thanks for tuning in. It's been a while, so hopefully you guys like this one. Bye-bye.
1: Take care, guys, and stay safe.